welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Let's get naked. Today I am here with Amber Hansen. This is Jen Taylor. And Amber, I'm so excited to have you today. We're talking about Dieter Unemployment in Nevada. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for inviting me um, to do this with you. I've actually never done a podcast before, so this is actually a pretty cool experience. Um, My name is Amber Hansen, and I am the administrator of one of four for the Nevada Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Facebook group. I said it without messing it up. (laughs) That's a lot. And I'm sorry for me. I, I don't I don't know why it took so long to find you, why it didn't come up, because I was I was a person going through Nevada unemployment desperate to find help. Yeah. And help could be information, it could be understanding that other people are struggling the same way. You feel very alone in your struggle. Uh, and then I finally okay. I found you. I finally found you. And then we I've fallen in love online. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> but Tell me about your, tell me about the group and what you do and what the goals are. Well, you know, so, you know, it's so interesting to hear the stories that come in about how people found us. And it's so interesting that, you know, you were one of the ones that was later to the game. Um, Seeing as like, we are such a large group now. Um, I started finding the group long before it was ever a group. I had started following patterns and trends of who our vendor was in other states. And I was following those Facebook groups first. And then the Nevada one started. So I was trying to pay attention to what was going on with the states that were using like the same vendor that we were, which is Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Arizona. And so I had spent a lot of time in the Arizona group before I joined the group just as a claimant myself back in May, like beginning of May, right before Pua launched. Because and uh you were so curious about it I was so curious I was like okay so like how is this gonna go because I was somebody that was like thinking okay like uh naivety of this you know not ever really being unemployed and you know having my own business for the last five years my last w2 job was like forever ago it was like back in the middle of like 2015 and then i opened my personal assistant and estate management business and so i was like okay i have all this money floating around that theater that's just waiting for me to like turn in my golden ticket right and i'm gonna collect and lo and behold you know no there was nothing there like you that money just sits there for like maybe an hour or whatever, you know, it's not there for very long. So I got my denial and then I kind of followed these other groups and then I found this group. And, um, it's so funny. Like I said, you mentioned uh, finding us now, it was a smaller group in the beginning when I joined, I think when I became administrator, there was like maybe 2000 people. And now today we're in October, believe it or not, October, one October Vegas strong. And we have 17.5 thousand Nevadans in our group and um at the last admin report and check we have over 13.5 of those 17.5k active on a daily basis it's a crazy sight so it is insane <laughs> it's a crazy and i don't really I, 
I don't really think that people are in there hanging out as a COVID hobby in an unemployment group if they're getting paid. So we'll get more to that later. But so seeing that statistic now, six months later is alarming. Yeah, um, it is alarming and exciting yeah. because people have a place to go. Yes, both. It's a, it's a, it's like a silver lining. Um, so I know that's part of why you invited me here and we can talk more on how, why I think that's so exciting and kind of, you know, insane to know that there's still, you know, and we're only a, one of many groups and, and ours is one of the largest, but we're just one of many. And to know that that many people are showing up on a daily basic, uh, daily basis indicates to me that perhaps some of the numbers that are being reported in press and media are not exactly in alignment to what's really going on on a claimant side. Um, and, and, our, and our group has really highlighted that in the way that we formatted our group. I kind of like to joke around with my team and tell them that like our, our, our group is like the little black book of PUA or like the forensic file of PUA. Like, hey, you wanna know what happened back on June 1st, 2020 when the call center went live? We got a couple <gasps> threads for you on that. Oh. So there's like, and, and screenshots don't lie. We had right. a we had a video on the news where the person had three phones and called over a hundred and something times on June first and got hung up every five minutes. So, um, that's what keeps me on fire for this group is just knowing like where we started and where it has come. Um, even though sometimes it's like kind of like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. and it's like hurting cat in there sometimes yes that's no, a great thing to say yes yeah um i i kind of i'm i live for it right now it's kind of it's kind of like a full-time overtime all i do time when i'm not in homeschool hell time hobby it's 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 just what i like to do i love helping people and I just think what we have going is so amazingly profound retrospectively um and i think once people can really kind of cool their jets and get their PUA paid and they look back at what this collective has done, I think it will be something that we will never forget um, oh gosh, as, no. as, as a whole. Yeah. There's no way. So I was looking at thing. I was following the class action lawsuit in Nevada. I knew I was a part of it. I was getting in touch with attorneys and I was getting in touch with the media because I'm more podcast oriented and media oriented. And I was scouring the web for information that would help me feel like I had right. a handhold on this, right? And I was printing off just, I kept record of in a file on my computer of everything that was happening with me in my case. And I printed it and look, I mean like- Oh no, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I it's too. not even a big file, right? But yeah, I, it was so important to me to keep track of everything I was doing so that when the time came, I was like, oh no, I have that. Oh no, I, ha I have that, I'll, right. I can prove that. And so finding you guys was great because I didn't have to scour as much anymore. Right. I didn't have to stress and worry. And I, and I didn't realize how alone I felt in it until I, there was this group of 18,000 people going through almost the same exact thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's having this issue. That's crazy. Welcome to being in the thick of the shit with all of us. I mean, yeah. really like. It, it, it was in the beginning, it was kind of comical because, you know, before I was asked to be admin and kind of jumping into this, just like with my background and experience with kind of running like other larger high emotional 
high stigmatized issues um, with like, you know, co-parenting and addiction and things like that. And you're really used to kind of dealing with people with high tempers or emotions or where there's a lot of, of, of emotional irregulation. And so I just feel like I really honed my skill in that. And so the person that created this group had noticed that and had noticed that um, with somebody else. And, um, you know, it kind of took off from there. And so it, you know, we have created something really special in what we have. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's so much fun to just like show up every day where like, you know, some people are like, I don't know how you do it every day. And, you know, for me, like there's a catharticness in um, why I show up every day. And it's a lot of part of my story that a lot of people don't know is that, you know, it was a Facebook group that saved my son's um, dad's life um, with addiction. And it was a group that I ended up actually taking over with uh, people that whose loved ones are affected by the opiate crisis. And so I knew what it felt like to be alone in that situation. And I knew what it felt like to be alone as a co-parent, like, and somebody that had a child with an addict. And what do you do in those situations when the parent's sober? And so I had found this community, you know, I scoured like you, like in this situation in my life, I had scoured everywhere looking for information on how do I rectify or how do I parent or how do I handle the situation when I have this other situation involved. And so I totally resonate with that. And it's, I think that's why I have such a knack for what I do mm-hmm. anywhere, um, you know, but feeling so alone in your stuff and not knowing where to go and then being able to even have that ability now today in this day and age to go and know that like, you know, my next door neighbor is, a, you know, a bitch and she likes to trim my leaves. And there's like a Facebook group for that. Like you go and like, <laughs> you, you're like, vacuum cleaner groups like there's a group that I'm in and I have no shame that I'm in it and it's called I'm high and this is crafting and these people are like genius artists okay so I know what it's like to try to find your tribe right or to find your place when you're going through a struggle and you just feel so isolated and so alone and I know that there's so many people that feel this way in this situation. I've gotten so much feedback from people that are even older aged adults that are like, I've never filed for unemployment in my entire life. Or you've got mothers that have children that are minors and my kids under 17. What do I do? You've got people that have worked their entire lives and have lost everything. And so, um, you know, being able to gather in a, in a space of community is of such value and, and it's really the center and the answer for human suffering is, is community and human connection and, and being able to have somewhere to go where you don't feel like you're psychotic and alone and that you're not the only one up checking employee NB every two seconds. <laughs> well, me? You know? How did you, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, I, feel so, I feel so triggered and like, like offended right now, right? Like, right. Refresh, refresh, types, refresh, right. Right. Those were the types of things that were happening. Like the site is down and like, like, hundreds of posts would flood in at like yes. 11 30 at night and we're like do these do you people have a, I just want to know do you people have a bedtime because I mean yeah. I'm an old lady I go to bed at a decent hour I don't know about you but I'll Facebook call people at like three in the morning when my pool certification doesn't go through but I mean cheers to you if that's how you handle no, your life. No I'm asleep but... by nine every night so my <laughs> notifications right? are off. Okay I, I know Nevada is listed as like state number 50 as far as the order. Oh. I mean, 
It's been one of the worst. I, the people's struggle is real. On your site, you talk a lot. I really appreciate this. And in my situation, I've been one of the quote lucky ones because my husband, right. he got a, a huge pay cut, but he was working. And Mine too. You know, we've been scraping by every month is harder and harder and harder. Right. But we've, and I freelance, so I'm still trying to get freelancing, even though there's not as much available for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm lucky you're putting information about food bank and you're in Vegas and I'm in Reno. So we're in the two big hubs right. and there's all this information. There are people, their cars are repossessed. So now they couldn't go to work if they wanted to, they can't get their kids to doctor's appointments. They, they can't pay anything. The only reason they're not evicted and shut down is because, you know, there are guidelines stopping that from happening and right. they're in line for food bank because that is the only place that they're getting it. And so I have felt very blessed and almost guilty that I'm one of the lucky right. ones and that it's still such a struggle because Nevada has been one of the worst states. Right. We can talk a little bit about that, but what I'm more excited about, because this is October 1st now, is that you've been hugely pivotal in certain things being implemented in the state to make really great gains forward. And I'm a lot like you. I like to concentrate on the success stories. You do that a lot on the page. That <laughs> freaking do. kept me going, man. That I was <laughs> it like, drives oh people nuts. It drives people nuts. Everybody I, wants to know when I'm going to stop parting rainbows and unicorns all over them. Never going to happen. I mean, right, it's all yeah. the hope. That's the only it, hope that I had it, that other people were getting through it. I'm the hope. I'm the hope feeler. I mean, right. I don't know. I just, I think I've just been in so many of those situations of hopelessness and just being a trauma survivor and a suicide survivor and just a survivor of life period. Like, I just feel like it's like, I, I have that inner strength to like, you know, like lead and just to, to be able to instill encouragement and love people where they're at and meet them where they're at and respect them and their dignity and where they're at, you know, like people are thanking us, but really it's, we want to thank our collective for being yeah. vulnerable and sharing their stories. Like people don't just go on the internet and tell you I've lost my car and everything's gone and I can't feed my kids. And I literally feel like I'm going to blow my brains out. Like that's not a normal narrative on social media. We don't see that every day. I mean, I'm a little bit outside the box. I'm like zero filter and I blog and I write a lot about mental health and advocacy. I write a lot about my story and so many parts of my journey and I'm very transparent, open and raw. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit different um, as far as what the norm is on social media. And it's a lot of what is stigmatized and judged and I get judged heavily for it and have for the last six years, but I feel like we have to have those hard conversations mm -hmm. because it's why we're in the situation that we're in now. It's why, it's why we're silenced. It's why these things are not talked about. It's why we only see the things that we're seeing in the press, which is pie charts and pretty cute little call center stories of how the call center hangs up every five minutes and not how, you know, I had a friend who hung herself in her business in California because she could not get relief. You know what I mean? I have somebody that's trying to get me the reports on the suicide rate in Nevada over yeah, the last span of the last couple months. Six months. I, yeah, I want yeah, that. The, in, the, the impact of this is so much bigger than people yes. getting a paycheck and the people on the media should be ashamed of themselves. The people at theater should be ashamed of themselves. Our governor should be ashamed of ourselves. Our employers should be ashamed of themselves. There are so many people that are complicit in this just besides Dieter. And maybe that's because it's just because the wealth of knowledge I have, because I've done so much behind the scenes and there's not, there's not like that 
there is so much transparency beyond really what any other group offers, but there's a certain level to which I have to respect boundary of the people that I've been enabled to work with. But I mean, there's just so much that people don't understand and, and their layers and, and it's so valid in them not understanding or grasping that information because they can't even grasp past yes and no right now because they don't know when the next meal is going to be on the table. Yeah. They don't know if tomorrow somebody's going to come hook the back of their car. They don't know if tomorrow they're going to be able to feed their dogs. And so I don't fault people for not knowing that, but there is, there is such of a, there's so much of a message that I hope that transcends once we start to make movement of how pivotal this group was and using its voices and sharing its story that it goes beyond just our team and our leadership and who I've been able to work with but as a collective of 17,000 this was the ultimate protest this is the way that we we make change this is not rioting this is not looting this is not destructive this is not this is not shameful this is not causing harm this is doing things the way that things should be done and which is every voice matters, every voice counts. Um, you know, and, and I've seen a lot of other groups do things the other way. And you know what, they haven't gotten the results that we have. So I stand by the integrity of my work and knowing that the way that I've composed myself and my team has composed myself, mm -hmm. ourselves, you know, has gained the access to the people that we've gotten access to. Um, I don't see other people in other groups having access to the people that we do that have decided to protest or to threaten to blow up theater or any of those things. And it's not because I want to be petty or have hate. Um, I, I, I don't want to be labeled as I'm, I'm actually labeled. This is my name is the free speech. I'm a free speech zoner. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, to dissipate or censor anybody's free speech. I'm just trying to be solution and goal oriented. And there's Correct. just a time and place for everything. And I respect everybody's narrative and their choice to choose and if they want to protest, riot, loot, hang upside down, like color blue or purple. But I think for this group, we've tried to focus on the issues and be solution and goal oriented. And I think that's why we've had so much success. Um, I think, you know, I think love always wins. I think, you know, sometimes the aggressive, hateful way um, in which some people think gets results is not in a way into which I conduct myself or any group that I'm a part of. Oh, and there would have been no, there would have been no call for it and it wouldn't have gotten anything done. And so yeah. I want to talk about the positive changes that you've been part of. We have 200 new retrained uh, workers that yeah. started a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago. We've yeah. seen Barbara Buckley is a big part of this now, and you can go into that. We've yeah. seen the end of a really, really <laughs> hor horrific call center that was, <laughs> and it's not even that the call center was bad. It's that even when you got through to them, they had no ability to do anything. So it was a complete waste of time and effort. And now we're seeing um, people getting paid at success stories. So it, yeah. it, it was broken down into categories and they're addressing each category. And although not everybody's getting done, let's talk about the successes. I will go ahead and tell, just yeah. talk about them. So I am really excited for this where other people are a little bit more pessimistic and you know, hey, that's cool. You ride that rocket ship. I ride my pool rocket ship and you can just be accountable for yours. But you know, there has been great success. I mean, I've been here since the beginning. And like I said, there'll be some things that will come out retrospectively later on where I think people will be able to gain a lot of knowledge on what really happened on the other side. Um, and I think that's something that will be, you know, used as a way and a teachable tool. Um, but I think like in, in the interim and what we're seeing happen now um, and seeing the success, you know, you know, I am, um, 
I'm astounded by where we came 2K. I remember the group was 2K and our first person that we ever talked to was Jacqueline from Fox 5 News. And here I am on a daily basis and a weekly basis, like having conversations with Barbara Buckley, like of all people, it's, you know, like, and sitting here reflecting back the other day and kind of weeping and kind of in just so much gratitude and knowing that like, I worked with Jason Guinasso, I get to, you know, I get to do and show up and do the things that I do and knowing that just six months ago, I was just a claimant here looking for help myself and what an honor and a privilege that is to be entrusted and to, to be considered or to even have my voice heard and have the voices of many others heard is something I won't ever soon forget. And there's such an innate gratitude for that. Um, so, you know, all of the success that we're seeing is, is, you know, I, you know, it's not really to toot my own horn or our group's horn, but I think a, a, a mass effort on behalf of this collective and how we've conducted ourselves. And we've seen the success that we've seen because we've pursued answers in an objective way and the objective way that we've done them is a, in a kind way and in a respectful way. And in a way to where we've really proven ourselves through documents and screenshots and threads and accounts. And, you know, we're seeing this change with all these new workers. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit slow to take off. And I think, you yeah. know, you know, I think what happened was everybody just needed to get acclimated with each other and get everything going. Um, you know, on a daily basis, I'm seeing a lot of movement on my end and I'm seeing it within the threads. Um, it's just not going to be the same as the patterns that we saw in the beginning, like June, when we saw some of those major payouts and like around July, when we saw some of those major ones, I think really what's happening now is that a lot of people said it's having to, having to be gone through manually because there was such a mess up with the GSL software in the beginning and yeah. getting some of those people out of that mess. It's really requiring a manual go through and really what's happened with, with just having to be just thrown into this conundrum of bad call center and in the beginning the system's not communicating with each other and really what you know happened is just that you know Dieter is just a poorly ran organization and has been for decades and just because we're in a pandemic there's all these things that are going on and there's a spotlight on them because there's a swarm of us now and it's not like this hasn't happened for decades before it's just there's just so many more of us now. And well, that's huge, actually. There was like over a million yeah. claims this year. Yeah. And then you look at, okay, there's a million claims this year, like a million guys, yeah. a million. And then how many of those are fraudulent and how many yeah. of those are in a double system? And yeah, so I it, it was a really lot happened, for the system. I think what really happened was because I've spoken to the gentleman from GSL in the very beginning when things were getting rough, I was desperate. And there's a lot of things that I did that a lot of people don't know that I did that will eventually come out that I did um, that led us to where we got. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that joke around in the group that call me the Aaron Brockovich of PUA. Yeah. And I kind of laugh at that and I think it's hilarious, but um, I'm totally down for that too. But, you know, I spoke to him and he, he said it himself. And, you know, there was even an interview in, in, in Florida from the Senate, uh, the governor talking about how these systems are just set up to fail people and how they're set up to manipulate and how they're set up to be user friendly and how they're set up to deter people from collecting this money. And that, you know, for me, like it was really disturbing to hear that. Um, but I had already gathered at that point that that was exactly what was going on. Um, you know, and what really happened here was that they just tried to, they tried to guinea pig us. They tried to stand up a system and think that they were going to put it all the pieces together while we were going through the motions together as a whole, instead of planning to 
be successful. And I think anytime a state third party vendors anything out, that's just an automatic F you to its, its constituents and to its citizens, basically saying that we don't really give a shit about you. So we're going to go give this to somebody else to handle. You know, and I think there was a level of naivety that a lot of us had not realizing we're not an, an income tax state. So the reason why a lot of things have taken longer is because there's more of us. Our, our unemployment rate is the highest. Yes. There's um, people that have mixed income. There's people that have a lot of other circumstances. And there's a lot of us that are not in the system if we're self-employed, like there is in other states that have income tax that pay state taxes. We don't pay state taxes. So people are whining and bitching about why it's taking so long. They don't have a system to, uh, to figure us from up from down. And yeah. what's happened prior to the last couple of weeks since Barbara Buckley's been in is that they've been busy trying to secretly stand up this program behind our backs. And they've messed up and made more messes from their stuff for themselves and software issues and different things. And the software wasn't loaded. It wasn't coded. It wasn't prepared. It was not, it was garbage software. It was a recycled disaster relief software program. And the guy from, from geographic solutions himself, Paul Toomey told me in a phone call that I have, that's a recorded conversation that literally indicates that none of this stuff was ever meant to handle the load in the population of people that are, were intended to use it. And that is why we've seen so many issues, not to mention we're in the middle of a global pandemic and nobody knows what we're doing. Right. If anybody, if anybody is living within this earth or universe or place that we reside in, you know, there's one thing that I find is a valuable lesson is always to remain teachable. I always tell people, I've always you know, they always ask me like what I know. And I was like, or if I know how to do something, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing either. Cause I really don't, you know, I really don't like, I, I, I stopped learning. Right. You know? And so I didn't know anything about Pua five months ago. And here I am about ready to graduate with my PhD in it, December 26th. I can't wait to walk across the stage <laughs> and get my diploma. You know? I didn't know that was an option. I'm so excited. Well, I <laughs> you think you made, you made some important points. We, we, the, first of all, the taxation. Second of all, we've never been through a pandemic. Um, also, we didn't have good software. Also, we didn't have people running it well. Also, we have more cases. Right. I mean, yeah. there were, there were and all these things. some of it. That's, that's just some, some of it. it. I know. Like, and that's, you know, some of my behind the scenes conversations with legislators that I've been working with that have been silent and working on this and, and stuff that have been awesome and amazing and um, shall not be named, um, but are amazing human beings. You know, they've also indicated that there were meetings prior to COVID that were indicating in, in um, you know, not special session, but, you know, legislative sessions, basically that they were trying to defund Dieter before this because they rested on their laurels. People ask me all the time, like, why didn't the governor do better? Why didn't there, this do better? You know, really my thought process on this really logical and plausible thing that I can think of, and I think I commented this to you the other day in a long, wordy and windy comment, was basically, you know, they rested on their laurels and they thought and believed that because we are so successful all the time, there's really no opportunity ever to fail. And while I commend the confidence in that, you can't rest on that laurel. Like every state at this point should learn their lesson. One way or another, every state had their problems. We've just been, I think, the highlight of the problems of the butt of the joke. But there's a better way we can plan contingency wise. There's a better way to have a plan A to a plan B. You can't rest on your laurels that we're always going to have the highest unemployment rate, that we're not going to be disaster crisis proof. I, I, 
I use the example of a one October, how ironically, because we're talking today on one October. What if the outcome of one October was so different and that person decided to blow up half of the things, half of the hotels on the strips that would have left thousands of people out of work and we would have had no plan for those people. And those people would have suffered immeasurably on top of experiencing a traumatic event. So I just think that our, our leadership needs to do better. If states can plan for natural disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, states like ours that have high tourism industries like hospitality and restaurant businesses and bars and entertainment, we need to do better for our gig workers. We need to do better for the people that are the, also the backbone and the essential workers of our state. You can't just say that the backbone is and, and, and essential workers of our state are the ones that are out working and putting themselves on the line every day at COVID. They're the ones that are sitting also at home fighting every day, listening to shitty Eric Clapton, trying to get a paycheck. You know, like it, it's a two-sided sword and it sucks. Um, that is, that's another issue. I mean, we had essential service workers, right? right. Our husbands are essential. He was out, he's been, he's never not been out in it, in the middle yeah. of all the people and all the stuff. So if, if this pandemic truly was that scary, he's putting himself right. on the line and got right. a tremendous pay cut. So you're telling yeah. me that the people that are the most essential to us surviving, my, my trash gets picked up every single week that's an essential worker. I think it was interesting in taking a step back and looking at who are the essential wor workers in a really tough situation, because maybe start saying thank you more to them and recognizing mm -hmm. that their jobs are a little more important than we thought they were. Right. And for God's sake, don't cut their income. Yeah. I mean, there's like, a lot of people. Anything. There's yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I see a lot in the threads and I try to, I try to remain really unbiased and objective because I believe everybody's narrative matters and I want everybody to feel valued right. and I want everybody to feel worthy. But really at the end of the day, there's really no semantical finger pointing for here for me today. Dieter no. just doesn't know how to communicate. They don't know how to be transparent. They don't know how to be honest. And honestly, I think that us as human beings need to participate and show up for ourselves and our lives in a lot better position and way. I think this is the hard knock down to reality for a lot of us and how we plan yeah. and we live and manage our lives and have become victim to over consumership. I think our leadership can do better. I think there's so many contributing factors that are complicit in this and it doesn't have to do just the fact that we are just unfortunate circumstances of a pandemic. I think that um, there was also some self-responsibility on all of our ends too. Um, and I think employers need to pay a better living wage. You know, they, they talk about people not coming back to work and it's like, well, you, you, people don't want to come back to work because you're not even paying them a decent wage. Like, I mean, I was one of those people, you know, I was one right. of those people when I, when I, when I, you know, I, you know, I'm not even making a living wage right now. And I was one that wasn't, you know, in the industry I was in, even though it was lucrative, even really that is not right now paying a living wage. So I think for a lot of people complaining about that, they really need to consider too that, you know, employers are also complicit in the planning and the failure of all of this too. Um, there's so many, there's so many layers. It's like an onion and I know people want instant gratification and they want one simple word of answers, but unfortunately, because this is a gig working side and there's so many complexities and different types of jobs and businesses and self-employment situations, not all claims are one size fits all and, and what we started to digest now towards the end because we're about ready to again get our phd so we're like master degree level now yeah um we see patterns and trends established through the way that we formatted our group and the threads and the feedback that we get and so there's just so many things that we know now that are a little bit different that we had gained on after all this time and 
you know, seeing all these people being paid out and just seeing that, you know, like the fact, you know, it, you know, I had a moment last night where I kind of got emotional and I was baffled by the fact that like, I'm just an itty bitty claimant and I'm working with Barbara Buckley and how in the heck is it that I'm helping people get their stuff paid, but we can't get somebody on the phone to help these people. And I'm only one person, you know, and really the group doesn't even really know that I'm doing that, that I'm taking like a handful of claims every day at this point, like to, you know, like 20 to 30 a day that are desperate and trying to get them cleared out. And she's getting them cleared out like in yep. hours. I knew you were doing that. I saw that you were doing that. I am super excited about that, but you are working with Barbara Buckley. And the other thing that makes it so difficult for those of us who just honest people trying to get this done, wanting the one word answer is that there, there are like 99 out of a hundred can be fraudulent. So when the workers are even going through it, aside from the system that can't handle it, they're doing things in small batches and they're trying to do it in a way through ID me that that became something that they tried to use. There has been a lot in the background. I want people to feel at least hopeful that there's a lot in the background, that things are getting done. Barbara Buckley was a huge shift. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the background that I'm not at liberty really to comment about, but I know that is happening and I just see it happening through the integrity of my work. Like just exactly like I knew that the 200 workers were going to start, they were going to start. Did I know exactly how they were going to be calling people? And was that a little bit of a miscommunication? Sure. But they have been calling people. I've seen it in the yes. threads. Um, I just think yes. and thing, things are not consistent. Like it's just, you know, every day, if we make the same threads that we were making before, you know, they turn into bitch fest sometimes. So it's just not even worth it to invite that conversation. And so we see it happening and we see it coming and like, you know, seeing the fact that I've sent in the amount of claims that I've sent in behind the scenes and seeing that almost out of all of them that I've sent, maybe only three or four of them have not gotten paid because of certain reasons that make them really not eligible or something else is going on. And then getting all these thank yous and oh my God, my money hit my bank account or I have this or that now. And then they're ending up paid. It's like, okay, like, we were totally bamboozled for the first four months. Like that was just all like a setup. Like that was just them knowing that they had failed to plan and plan to fail. And they were trying to set everything up and get it ready to go. And they could have just came out and honestly just been like, oh my gosh, guys, we suck at life. It's just not going to be ready until July. Right. But that didn't we, happen. It didn't happen. And right. you know what? I think people would have been so much easier about that. Like, I think the fact that like the trauma that they have inflicted by just the tomfoolery that has gone on with like the, the rogue call center that we've been calling. Like, yes. I swear to God, I love my Eric Clapton, but I don't ever want to listen to his music ever again. <laughs> that, the same song for hours and hours and hours. Um, I can't tell you how I, much, I can't tell you how much therapy I've had to go to over that. <laughs> I know, because I have had to do the same thing. Um, I think we have a, there's a Facebook group for that probably too. There, there are the, they're all competing to be now on America's Got Talent and they're going to play that song. Hey, oh, look no, at this please. song that I learned while please I was don't. on unemployment in Nevada. <laughs> please. Da-da, nobody, da-da. nobody karaoke that song. So we've we had a couple have, people do it. No, it's not good people. There are the 200 new workers and yes, there was more training. It started off a little more slowly. I actually have a friend who be, who was hired as part of that 200. And even right. she said, I just want to get into the system and start helping people like the train. It's great right. to go through the training, but I really want to get past that and get in. And they yeah. are starting to, and you yeah. know what? They're not always calling. Sometimes they're doing things in the background and people are finding that their account has been changed or you get an email. You don't necessarily have to call in or get a phone call. Things are happening. People are working. It's the largest volunteer 
uh, force. I mean, it's crazy. There's a huge volunteer force. It's a huge group. And they're working on Saturday. Some of them are working on Saturdays. Yeah, when I had my phone call with Barbara Buckley, she said that they were working on Saturdays, that she had sent in a couple of the claims that I had sent into her even over the weekend when people got more and more desperate or something was happening or their car was going to be like taken or yep, something was yep. going to be whatever. And I would email her and I'm like, this is like desperate, like you need to do something. And there was times where she was getting them done at like 11 o'clock at night. Like, you know, like yep. there's been times where I've had legislators calling me at 11 o'clock at night, get people on the phone for special session. There's been times where there's been miracles created at three in the morning. I mean, you know, like I just, you know, I don't know what the universe is stirring right now, but this is just the the card that we've been dealt. And we've got so many amazing people that, you know, are doing so many things in the background that people just aren't even cognizant of and recognizing too, that we're just one group of 17,000, even though we're a significant number of people. We have to remember there's people in the whirlpool who have now been sent back to UI. You know, that over yeah. the Facebook group is like 40,000 people. You know, not everybody comments, you know, every, I get a lot of people that say like, you know, message me and say like, I'm like, just a really silent person and this is what's going on because they don't want to share their stories or maybe they don't want their identities revealed. So while like, yes, we do have enough quantitative data to get Nevada's attention, um, you know, I had their attention with, with a, Repu- a Republican Senator Scott Hammond that I started working with early on, very on in the beginning, who has been amazing and helpful. And even at 7,000, he had his team looking and helping and working in the group. And it's why we've gotten to where we've gotten to. It's why the Republican Assembly had uh, filed the, uh, you know, um, OIG investigation against them was because I had been talking to them about things that were going on and all the things that were going on behind the scenes and in the beginning and all the things that had been going on. And, um, you know, I've kind of just been really transparent and honest with anybody and everybody that I've been able to speak to. Um, You know, I haven't had as much success in the press because they don't want to tell that story because I don't think they want to carry that weight of that emotional struggle. They don't know what it's like to have to sleep with that. They don't know what it's like to have a notebook by their bed of how many people you've had to report that are going to commit suicide in your group at three in the morning or two at night, or the people that are going to say they're going to go threaten to go blow up Dieter and you have to make a police report. I've got a whole notebook that I've kept for five months. And, you know, I I just don't think the press can sleep with themselves at night telling a story about how somebody hung themselves in a business or how somebody had to turn, somebody messaged me and had to ask me where I could go turn my kids in. I mean, how do you, the press doesn't want to, lie with that every night we've only had one person that's done that and that's noah bond who's up in your area at kol tv and i love and adore noah because he's telling the story from the human struggle side the human justice side the story that needs to be told it needs to be told from the claimant narrative and that's why i've done what i've done for five months i could have easily have walked away in june when i got paid and been somewhere on a beach drinking pina coladas with some sexy man bringing me pina coladas you know what i mean at this point but you know i just love what i do and i love people and I've never seen something so desperate like this in my life and it breaks my heart every day and it motivates me every day and it scares the shit out of me every day because I know that there is immense amount of suffering that could have been avoided had people gave a crap more about its citizens and about its people and the fact that we're here in October it was just kind of I had this like you know, again, emotional moment the other night. I looked over at my significant other and I was like, oh my God, you know, like it's already October. Can you believe like in a couple more months, it's going to be March and it's going to be a whole year that we've been doing this. And it was like, I kind of like stopped and had this like moment of reflection where I was like, I've been doing this for five months and like, you know, like, you know, going, you know, and doing the things that I've done over the last five months. I, it's astounding to know that we've gotten here. It is, it's really crazy to know that 
we have this group of 17,000 people and here I am just a client myself working with Barbara Buckley and getting to talk to her every day and getting to get people help and, that's and having thing. people treated with dignity, having yes. people treated with respect, having people being heard when they say, I can't put food on the table, that I'm going to lose my place. Like people finally caring and just knowing that, you know, she's just objectively oriented as well. Um, I feel like the momentum is building this week. Like you said, like your friend, you know, they, they had to get acclimated to everybody. And I think this week with that, that first week they built momentum and they got a lot of stuff done. And, you know, they discovered 10,000 claims that week that they were, that were eligible, that were like just sitting mm -hmm. there. You know what I mean? They found 10,000 people that would have otherwise never have gotten money. They found them in their training and their work and getting ready that first week. There were so many other things that they were able to do. Like I'm hearing now too, that there's some people in it that are in appeals that where they're calling those people and they're helping them get their claim resolved and then having them withdraw their appeals, which is amazing. So they're not having to wait. Yeah. Um, you know, because everybody's like, okay, when appeals are going to happen, when appeals are going to happen. And all I know about appeals right now is that GSL is software updating, whatever. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. good. So that just means they're going to fuck shit up some more now. Wonderful. Can't wait. Like just when are we going to have this party? Can't like, you know, let me get the friends a box and a wine and we'll have, we'll have a good cry over it. Cause here we go. They're about ready to mess something up again. Cause you know, every time they fix something, they mess three more things up. So yeah, it's just crazy to see this transformation that we're going through. And I know it's hard for people to see it. And I know it's hard for people to believe it, but I think really this week we gained a lot of momentum with believership yes. and, and, and people really seeing results. And, and, and that's, that's why I wanted to highlight in this interview, we know how hard it is. Like I'm in the trenches, you're in the trenches. We yeah. know how hard it is. You're seeing stuff that none of us are seeing. And yeah there is momentum and there are, there are things happening that are really good. And I yeah. know it hasn't been your turn yet, but just hang on because right. we're really working hard. And the more, they are. the more that gets implemented, the more people are going to get taken mm -hmm. care of. And it's hard when it doesn't help you in that second, but that mm -hmm. overwhelmingly it is helping. And I think the story needs to be told of the people that Think they have to drop their kids off and turn their kids in because they can't feed them and who can't drive and you know here in reno we can't send our kids to school even if they're in school because the smoke's been so bad so like what are these parents doing how are they even yeah. getting coping this and coping and and that there does there needs to be help for them outside of this too right yeah, I mean, it's a struggle because I'm one of them. Like I have my son at home and yeah, I'm a claimant and we're all in this like situation where we're like, we want our kids to go back to school. We want to go back to work and people want to label us in the press is that we just want to sit here and collect the money. And it's like, you know, as much as I would love to sit here a little bit longer and collect this money, like I would love to have five minutes away from my child with, and I'd like to take a shower without somebody slipping a note underneath the door that they love me so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I would love yeah. to be able to not like think that going to drink six glasses of wine in the Target parking lot across the street from my house is a night out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, we have I, hit bottom. <laughs> like, we have hit rock bottom. Like, Mama wants to go and dance with her girlfriends and drink margaritas, like, and do karaoke. Like, that's what Mama wants to do. You and we, it feels so far away from that. It right does now. so far it away. It feels from so that. desperate and so hopeless. It does. 
it does. It does. And, and it's so, it's just keeping that hope alive right now for everybody, even though it's starting to really annoy everybody. Um, that's just my jam. You know, no, it's fantastic. You got to yeah. keep it going. I mean, it gives yeah. people who are waiting hope like, oh my gosh, this person went through all this and it ended well. So now yeah. I know it can do the same for me. Amber, what do you want to end on as far as telling the claimants, like other than you're going to keep your happy Thing going so get I might dress it. up as a dinosaur again no, yes no that was that was really <laughs> fantastic we that all was loved a, that that was a dare for my team because they know how much I love dinosaurs so that was a dare from them but I mean so, it's great that you're keeping a positive attitude through that so yeah give, let's end on the advice we can give people that are still waiting and maybe the thank yous that we want to give um, I, you know, I just, you know, my, my biggest thing is I always say thank you to the claimants because everybody wants to thank me and it's really, it's, it's so appreciative and I, I do accept those compliments, but it's really the claimants. It's really all of us as a collective that have made this happen um, and that have made this shift and have made this change and have made this movement. It's, there's no I in team. It's not the Amber show. It's not, it's what we've all done. You know what I mean? Without the vulnerability that's been shared, without the stories being shared, without the screenshots being shared, without the consistent threads being populated every day with thousands and thousands of comments and screenshots, we wouldn't be where we are today. We have made a monumental and historical footprint in how we handle these crises, hopefully retrospectively, and how we band together in community. And I think the takeaway from this is that we're hoping to transition to gr the group into something that is going to continue to build momentum and be encouraging and meeting people where they're at and loving them and making them feel worthy and valued and loved and that they're not alone in their stuff. Most people don't know that like you can have somebody that can represent you that's not a legal representation and it's fully legal to do that in your appeal. And so we're working to train a couple of people to get knowledgeable in the NRS unemployment statutes. And to be able to have a team of people that can have a, like a mentor or a mentorship, a mentor and mentee program to where people who are stuck in even regular UI appeals, even if we have to change the name of the group, but it's for people on both sides, networking for gig workers and different things like that, community resources for gig workers or people that are in the employment realm. Um, I think continuing to build on that and keeping this community open could be so vivacious for Nevadans, not even just on the gig working side, but just on the employment side as a whole. Um, and so, you know, we have ideas of doing things like that and, you know, in, in building these peer-to-peer -peer systems to where we can continue to work as a community to help each other out and make sure that this doesn't ever happen again. And when it does, we're prepared and we have people that can help us and meet us where we're at and not feel alone in all these stuff. We don't want this group just to shut down on our, you know, December 26th when it's over because it's not gonna be over. No. There's gonna be people that are gonna still have to fight appeals. This could be extended by Congress. You know, there's so much more work to do here. This could turn into partly an advocacy group for employment rights and labor law changes and bills that could potentially be written. I mean, I know myself, I'd like to run for office after all this is over. Um, but the group's not just going to die when Pooh is over in December after Christmas and we're all just going to kiss each other on New Year and everything's going to be said and done. I think this community has a lasting, I think this, this community has a lasting um, relevancy in Nevada. And I think right now we're just building our foundation and we've done a 
tremendous job doing that. And, you know, I just want to thank Barbara Buckley and her team and, and the people on the inside of Dieter and the new welfare workers and those people that are doing their jobs diligently on a daily basis that are sacrificing their time away from their families. I know there is an enormous amount of overtime being put in after they work their normal shifts from four to eight every night. They're working on Saturdays. Barbara Buckley, who is gracious enough to give me inside details so I could keep the claimants off the edge of that ledge that they've been standing on for so long. Um, you know, and just for the claimants themselves to have trusted me, who have trusted our collective, who have relied on us for the strength and the knowledge and, and the empowerment that they needed to get through us, like, you know, you know, through the, all of this and knowing that they're not alone. I mean, there's so many people I could say thank you to because there's so many people, you know, Guanasso and Fireman, everybody that's contributed, every story matters, every comment counts, every person is valued and loved and and, and everything that they feel is valid. And, and we want that to be known and we want that to be shared and we want our community to know that they're not alone in their, their stuff. Amber, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me.